welcome to another Dairy Dialogue podcast, and I admit I did have to check what number it was, and it's number 55. It's also less than a week to Halloween, and the first thing I'm going to tell you about this week is a scary story. Well, it was for me anyway. I'm Jim Cornall, editor of Dairy Reporter, and last week I was in Bergamo, Italy, for the World Cheese Awards and the Forme Cheese Festival. And before I tell you about what happened, I'll let you know that not all of the interviews from there are totally about cheese. And of course, we also have a weekly look at the global dairy markets. This week, it's with Charlie Highland from INTL FC Stone. From the World Cheese Awards, we have interviews with John Farrand, Managing Director of the Guild of Fine Food, which puts on the event. And then we move on to some of the judges, Andrea Power, Jill Allen, Paul Heisman, Cobus Mulder, James Golding and Roger Truella. And we also have an interview with David Gremmels from Rogue Creamery, which won the top award. First of all, it's great that Bergamo has its own airport. What wasn't so good was after four aborted attempts at landing, the airport closed due to severe thunderstorms, so we diverted to Bologna. Now, don't get me wrong, I love Bologna, it's a beautiful city, but I didn't really want to be there instead of in Bergamo. And nor did the other 400 or so people that were diverted there. It was chaotic. Airport staff were trying to help. Actually, when I say airport staff, there was one person trying to direct everything and she wasn't having a very good time of it. There were supposed to be buses laid on to get everyone back to Bergamo, but it wasn't clear which ones. And every time a bus arrived, people were pushing each other out of the way to get on. I even saw somebody throw someone else's bag so that they couldn't get on the bus first. Not very pleasant scenes. Anyway, there was thunder and lightning adding to the scene, so it wasn't particularly enjoyable. The lady trying to corral everyone gave up. She just threw her arms up in the air and walked off and shouted, You're on your own, do what you want, and that created a bit more chaos. I finally managed to get onto the third of four buses, which just so happened to be the one with screaming babies, and the air conditioning was broken, which made the babies scream even more. Five hours later, I was back at a now completely storm-free Bergamo airport. Thankfully, the person sat next to me on the bus gave me a ride into Bergamo, or I may still be trying to get there. It did rain for a few of the days that I was there, but you can't really complain about Italy as it's so beautiful. Bergamo is wonderful and so close to the lakes and mountains and true to form. I spent an hour or so up in the mountains hiking and, of course, got asked for directions by an elderly Italian hiker who spoke no English. Incredibly, I knew where he was trying to get to and in broken Italian and gesticulation, I sent him in the right direction. Although it's quite possible that he's now in Croatia, still wondering exactly where he should have turned right. So to the awards. The event was promoted all over the city and there were some parts of the event actually in the old town or the Citta Alta, which is just amazing, especially the inside of the church, which has some astonishing paintings. The church is the Basilica of Santa Maria Maggiore and it dates back to the 12th century, although there was a church there before that. Of course, true to form, I climbed up the bell tower and as soon as I got to the top, the bell rang, which almost got me to the bottom again very quickly. But if you're ever in the area, it's a must-see, even if churches aren't your thing. As far as the event goes, there were also free shuttle buses everywhere, although I don't think I actually ever saw anyone on one. The World Cheese Awards this year were taking part at the same time as the Forme Festival, and so I was able to get some interviews not only from the awards, but also from the event, with lots of booths, and I got to meet some really interesting people. 
This year, the top award for the Cheese Awards went to the US as an organic blue cheese produced by Rogue Creamery was named World Champion Cheese 2019 out of 3,804 entries from 42 different countries. Before we start on the interviews, let's just very, very quickly recap some of the top stories we had on Dairy Reporter this week, and there were a lot of them. Arla Foods inaugurated its Bahrain cheese production site. Malaysia is setting up its biggest dairy farm with the help from Qatar. Tetrapak invested 25 million euros in its cheese production center in Poland. Fonterra and BiHealth have partnered on R&D of nutritional solutions, and you can hear an interview about that on next week's podcast. TH Milk became the first Vietnamese company to get Chinese dairy export approval. Russia and Kenya became IDF members. Natalie Knight is leaving Arla, and there are articles on Grupo Lala in Mexico, Lactali Group in Spain, and so many more. It really was a busy news week, and you can read all about it on dairyreporter.com. And so, on this week's show, I have a few interviews from the event. First, we spoke with the managing director of the company that organizes the World Cheese Awards, and that is John Ferran from the Guild of Fine Food. Yeah, so I guess the day's finally here. Is it when, when you get to this point, is it a sense of relief, or do you still have that heightened sense of, uh, of urgency over everything? I think, yes, there's a, a sense of relief, but there's possibly more a sense of what great fun this serious event can be. What we've done is, is bring together 3,804 cheeses and 260 judges from every corner of the globe. It sounds like a cliche, but it's, it's absolutely true. Um, we consolidate cheese as far away as New Zealand, Australia, South America, USA, Canada, um, as well as obviously most of Europe. So those 3,804 entries really are from 42 different countries. Um, but it's not just the cheese. You've got to think about the people. The cheese is important, but the people are great too. Uh, and we've got judges from 35 countries um, that are represented here today. Um, and that brings its own power to an event as well, because they're opinion formers, cheese buyers, food writers, um, wholesalers, major, major retailers of cheese from across the world descend on this room. And, and we hope, as well as finding some winners, uh, some gentle business is, is also done too. And I suppose as well that you mentioned the global nature of things, it builds relationships too. It certainly does build relationships. I mean, you'll see behind me that people are enjoying it. When people come back every year to World Cheese Awards, they sort of greet each other like long lost cheese muckers. Uh, and that's kind of that's warming for us because it, you know your job should be enjoyable, uh, and this 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 job certainly is enjoyable. Uh, and this this year you've got people from Japan here as well because yeah of the EU regulations. yeah yeah first time uh, that we've got some um, some entries from Japan we've got 42 entries from from Japan and that's that's a sort of breakthrough moment for us. Um, you know no no other cheese awards has managed to get. Japanese cheese into into a European awards, so we're chuffed about that, um, and let's hope that grows. I mean, Japan is is obviously an enormous opportunity, not for just buying cheese from the rest of the world, but their their artisan cheese uh, culture is developing hugely. Mm. And it's almost like welcoming a new member to the family, isn't it? Kinda, yeah. It's a good way of looking at it. Is that um, 
as the, as the sort of cheese family grows across the world, suddenly the world seems a lot smaller in the last sort of five to ten years in terms of food and drink. And perhaps World Cheese Awards sort of highlights that. Other than Brexit, which is another story. <laughs> That's why I'm reaching out further across the world. <laughs> yeah, but, and it's also nice to bring the awards to different countries as well. Yeah, I mean, it's countries want this event. Um, they want the power that, that World Cheese brings uh, with its opinion-forming judging panel, but also hundreds of thousands of people sort of join the associated festivals that run alongside World Cheese Awards. Here we've got uh, the Forme uh, Consumer Show up in the Old Town at Bergamo uh, and, and the first year the inaugural b to cheese trade show that's happening alongside us. And that, that as I say, hope, hope, we hope that, that business is done. Yeah, so it becomes more of a celebration of cheese as opposed to just an awards. It does, yeah. It's a celebration, it's a sharing of ideas, of views, and that, that shouldn't be underestimated. I mean, in this modern age of social media and everything being transacted over the internet, I, I'm afraid I'm a bit old-fashioned. I quite like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, have you been able to walk around? Are there any interesting cheeses that have caught your I, I haven't had a chance, but we've got, we've got cheeses from Peru, I know, uh, from Russia, from Japan, as we've talked about. I mean, there's a, some eclectic mix of, of countries uh, that we have here. Yeah, there's some, just walking around, there's some interesting color and shapes and just... Yeah, you find, yes, absolutely right. I mean, a lot of it, uh, there is a saying that the first bite is with the eye and a lot of cheesemakers, either through tradition, because they would rub local herbs or, or paint, uh, paint sort of scenes from their, from their rural economy or their rural area, um, so there's, yeah, some of it is art, but ultimately I would maintain that um, any artisan cheesemaker is in some small way an artist because milk changes every day, the conditions change every day, terroir changes every day. There is a mix of art and science that makes cheese. Yeah. And I suppose no matter how attractive it is, if, if it doesn't taste good, then it's lost anyway. Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fundamentally, people judge it. It's got to taste great. That's that's very, very true. Yeah. yeah. One of the great things about the awards is the diversity of the judges who come from all over the world for the event, and there are also a variety of ages and from different disciplines. And to prove that, I interviewed just a few of them, totally at random. And the first of them is Andrea Power a very interesting lady and the founder of Hatchman's Premium Cheeses on the beautiful island of Barbados. So my name is Andrea Power and I'm a cheesemaker in Barbados in the Caribbean. Okay, are there many cheesemakers in Barbados? There's only one and it's me. All right. <laughs> All right, and what kind of cheeses do you make? So we make cheeses from both goats and cow's milk. Uh, locally um, produced goats and cow's milk. We have a fresh chef, which everyone knows about. The unique thing is though that we flavor that chef with local things like guava, sorrel. We do our own herbs. And in Barbados, we use lots of thyme and sweet marjoram. So that's what goes into our herb to goat's cheese. On the cow's milk side, our signature variety is our cheddar that features scotch bonnet peppers in it. So we have this lovely layer of scotch bonnet peppers going through. While it does give you a kick, the heat dies as the cheese ages and you're left with this awesome flavor of scotch bonnet in conjunction with a very complex cheddar. And do you sell in Barbados and around the West Indies? So we sell in Barbados. We are not yet exporting. We're four years young. 
but we sell to all of the major supermarkets. We sell to many of the chefs, lots of restaurants on the island feature our cheeses. It's obviously going well if you've been around it's four years. It's going really well. It's been a roller coaster because a lot of it is trial and error. Obviously, Barbados and in the Caribbean, we're not known for a cheese-making tradition. There are lots of adaptations that we have to do. Obviously, the hot climate, the first big deal. So we use photovoltaic um, energy to power our air conditioners. So it's also, uh, I think, an ode to how we're adapting to climate change and how we're sort of managing our environment and doing something that is sustainable. So it's been very exciting. And being at the World Cheese Awards, um, meeting not only other judges, but other cheese makers, you get to share stories and understand the challenges across the world and you it's kind of like a therapy group, you know, a support group, yeah. where you can get together and, you know, um, have good conversations about cows that are not just doing what you want them to do and how you work with the vagaries of seasons. And even though we have sunshine all year in Barbados, there is a dry period. So that affects the quality of the grass. And mm. farmers in New Zealand are going to have a similar situation with winter. So when as much as we have different climates, the challenges with the seasonality is still the same. So to produce these phenomenal quality cheeses, everything that we've tasted has been really, really good. It just tells you this is really an art form, a craft that is to be revered. So I actually just feel very honored to be in here, um, kind of waving the flag. So it's been really good. And do you have any cheeses in the US? Actually, no, because Barbados can't export right. cheeses. Again, the, the sanitary and phytosanitary measures of the world, but we are working towards getting the right regulatory environment and creating that ecosystem that can see our cheeses in the rest of the world. Next, I spoke to the director of R&D at Tillamook Creamery in Tillamook, Oregon, Jill Allen. I am Jill Allen. I'm from Tillamook, Oregon, USA. Tillamook cheese, Tillamook cheddar. We have cheeses that are entered in the contest today. It's our first year competing, so we're very excited. All right, and uh, is this your first time on judging? This is my first year judging here at Worlds. I've been judging internationally for the last seven years, but this is my first Worlds competition. All right, how are you finding it so far? Uh, amazing, it's just, it's fantastic. Just the people that are here with all their in-depth knowledge and experience, and you always learn something new. Yeah, and what kind of cheeses have you, are you uh, judging? Some Pecorino, some Semi my soft sheep's cheese, goat's milk cheese, fantastic. Uh, all, all good? Oh, they're all amazing. Everybody should be very proud of what they entered into this competition. Is it tough to decide though? Is it tough to actually judge? It's not tough because we all have a great passion for it and we love it so much and every entry is fabulous and so we have a fantastic time. Right, and, and now there are cheeses from around the world on your table or just lo I don't know exactly where they're from because it doesn't state who oh, okay. makes it, it doesn't state what country it's from, it just states what type of milk it is and what type of cheese it is. Alright, and so you're here for how, how long? Uh, just under a week. Okay, so you get to... Experience Italy, experience Bergamo, experience all the cheeses here. It's a fabulous show, so I hope people get to come and enjoy it. Now we hear from Paul Heesman from Gastronomica in the UK. My name is Paul Heesman. Uh, I've been working in the cheese industry for at least 25 years, if not longer. Um, and my background is 
sourcing and purchasing of products. So I've done that for retailers, wholesalers, independent businesses, all sorts. But always, whatever business I'm working in, my passion always comes back for cheese. So I think this is my eighth year judging at the World Cheese Awards. And it's one that I keep the diary clear for every year. Nothing will ever get in the way of me coming to it. So you know your cheese? Well, yeah, I mean, everybody here does. And, um, but the thing I also enjoy about this is that the people that come are from a whole variety of different walks of life within the food industry. So you get a, you get a real balanced view when you're judging. You're not just, it's not just cheese makers or cheese mongers that sometimes have a, you know, a more fixed view because they're closer to how it's made. Um, you're getting more of a, a consumer opinion of the product as well. So. Yeah, and, um, and you meet some amazing people from all over the world. I mean, every year you meet somebody new, and uh, they've got really fascinating backstories to what they do and what, what, where they've come from. And, and is it easy to come to consensus on the cheeses? Uh, generally, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, you know, the, the, the ones which are very low scoring stand out, the ones which are high scoring stand out, and then that middle ground is always where a bit more of a debate comes in as to whether you, know, you think it does deserve a bronze or a silver and you know, how you categorise it. But, but, it but, the, but the beauty is, if you're not sure, you move on and then come back later on and do it again. Mm -hmm. And that, that happens quite often, actually. And it's yeah. probably just like between threes and fours exactly, or fours and yes. fives. It's yeah, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, a one or a five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one, one point can tip the balance between a gold and a silver. So yeah. if you're not sure, it's always best just to come back later right. on and do it again. Um, and a bunch of cheeses are unwrapped, and so they change because uh, the temperature changes, they're releasing the volatiles, the aromas change. So when you start judging, and then go back after four hours, again, you, you'll start to see other differences in the cheese. So, um, but that's the good thing about it, it's not rushed. Uh, there's no right or wrong, you know, you judge it what it is. And, um, and you, you always, as John said in his introduction, you, know, you, you have to temper your opinions based on how far you think the cheese have travelled and whether you think they've suffered in any way, shape or form. Which for a couple of these cheeses, you know, we thought it was quite evident that something had happened in transit. So, you know, you cater for that. And, and what are the criteria that you judge on? So the first thing you're doing is looking at the visual. So you're looking at uh, how well the cheese is made visually. So it could be the, the, the rind, is there any damage. Um, again, that may be transit here. Um, but, look, but just looking at the outside of the cheese will tell you a lot of things about how well it's made. Um, then you get to use your aroma because you know, the majority of your taste is actually in the aroma. You're working your taste buds up here, not in your mouth. So aroma is really important. And again, you can a lot of cheese you can just warm them up between your fingers and as they get warmer then the aromas change okay, they're giving off different volatiles and then you're looking at the, uh, the actual texture of the cheese as well so again that will tell you a lot about how it's made uh, cheese and issues with moisture during the make things like that that get reflected through and then the last thing you do is taste it that is the most important thing I mean that's where the highest score bracket is but all the other factors are still very, very important. So, and, and the taste, is that taste and texture or just Yes, yes, yeah. so we, we're looking at taste and the mouthfeel of the product as well. Yeah, so so we do we do, we do look at texture, but you're looking more um, for the, the feel of the cheese and the look of the cheese texture-wise. But as part of the taste, you're judging on the mouthfeel as well. So whether it, you know, clanks, leaves 
clanging on your mouth or whether it's nice and clean, fresh. So, and it makes quite a big difference. Um, and you know, you'll get variety of different flavours around different parts of your mouth, as you know. Um, it's good fun. The judging is done in groups, mostly of three, and two judges in one of those groups were both from the UK, James Golding from the Pig Hotels and Roger Truella. I'm Roger Truella, we're judging here at the Cheese Awards today, the table with Rumika and James. Um, we've had some very interesting cheeses, we've had some which are clearly going to make good cheeses, a little bit young at the moment. Um, we're enjoying what we're tasting. Um, we've had, in particular, a good, uh, a very good Gouda, which uh, impressed us. Uh, and also, we had a, a hard goat's milk cheese, uh, which again is going to be right up there when we come to the end of making our decision. So, we've got some more cheese to eat yet, but uh, we're certainly enjoying it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good. I'm James Golden from The Pig, and... Um, my personal favourite actually was the uh, sheep's milk cheese. I thought that it was um, fantastically sweet and had a great flavour that developed all the way through. We've had some quite interesting um, aged cheeses that are actually really, really strong, but you know the, the variety that we've got on our table has just been, been amazing. And um, I can see down the end we've got some uh, mozzarella-style cheeses up there, which are a personal favourite of mine, so I'm actually looking forward to uh, trying those in a bit. But yeah, we're having a great time. All right, and, and is it easy to uh, agree? Yeah, I think we're getting yeah, along pretty well at the moment. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think, uh, you know, if you know what you're looking for, it's, it's good fun. And finally, on the judging front, we hear from South African dairy industry consultant, Cobus Mulder. You're obviously quite experienced in this. How many times have you done this? Well, I, I, I think that this is the 16th or 17th time. You know, in the beginning you'd count and then... And then you, you stop counting because it becomes part of your life. So it may be 16 or 17 years that I've been coming here. But I have a dual purpose here. On the one hand, I am a judge, always. And on the other hand, I am also the consolidator for South Africa, Southern Africa. All the South African or Southern African entries come to me. I consolidate the whole bunch of cheeses uh, and then send it to wherever the World Cheese Award takes place. Alright, how's, how's it changed over the years? Well, uh, South African cheese has changed for the better. And that's the reason why probably in 2002 or thereabouts I started convincing the South African cheesemakers to allow me to bring their cheeses to this, because this is benchmarking against the world. And, and we always, you know, South Africa is a third country, it's in Africa. And there's many people across the world uh, don't even know that we make cheese there, that we eat cheese. Well, we make cheese. We've been making cheese for 300 years because of the British influence and the Dutch influence and the German influence. But our technical knowledge is limited because we're not a dairy, a dairy country, really, producing. We, we, we're more fruit and uh, subtropical fruit and grains. So uh, we have limited dairy knowledge and we had to learn how to make cheese. You know? we, we couldn't remember from 1652 what the Dutch people taught us. So we had to learn and we had to learn fast. And I can see over the years, the first year that, that 
for the first two or three years I brought cheeses here, they won no medals. And it becomes, of course, like any race, like any competition, it becomes a challenge to obtain even just a bronze medal. And, and now, I don't know what's going to happen today, but last year in Bergen, we, out of uh, 75 cheeses that were sent from South Africa, we had about seven golds, ten silvers. We are, we are there. We are there with the best of the world. Of course, there's always uh, work to be done, always. So a lot of our cheese is not up to standard, and then there's a, a lot of our cheese is up to standard. And you know, like any country, we have industrial cheese, the mass-produced, and we have the artisanal cheese. The mass-produced cheese gives you good quality consistently, but the artisanal cheese creates uh, the excitement in the market. But we're doing many other uh, interesting cheeses. We're doing sushi cheese that looks look like sushi. So, uh, yeah, we are right there in South Africa and very happy about it and very happy to be represented here. Uh, it, must, uh, it must be nice to be able to go to different places as well because it was always based in one place, wasn't it, before? And now they're branching out with Bergen, San Sebastian. Yeah, yeah. And, and who knows where this will be uh, next year? Who knows? So yeah, I think it's great for the for the local area, the cheese production in that local area, uh, because we are all cheese marketers in a way. It doesn't matter if we did, like I am a cheese consultant, but I also want cheese to be sold and, and consumers to eat more. So we are cheese disciples, all of us. That's why we talk about it. We prophetize about cheese. Because cheese is near to our hearts. It's near to our stomachs because we like cheese. But don't forget, it is also near to our wallets. We need to make money out of it. Okay? We put a lot of time and effort into making cheese like this. And as everybody knows, making cheese, producing milk, is, is, is a 24-7 thing. Okay? You're lucky if you can take a holiday every third or fourth year. So it's hard work and you need to be rewarded for that. Yeah, so we talk about cheese and this sort of thing puts cheese in the forefront in a place like Bergamo and in, in the province of Lombardia. And the result is that people are, become more interested in cheese and they consume cheese. And everybody is happy because the, the producer, the cheese seller, these, these people are cheese sellers, they are happy, and I'm happy because we make a little bit more money. And we provide lots of gastronomic pleasure in the mouth. And people forget that. There are two reasons why we eat cheese. First, because it's, it's a nutritional product, and secondly, because it gives pleasure. It's nice to eat it. You eat the chocolate, it's just sweet black stuff. Of course it's nice, of course. But cheese is more than just nice. Uh, cheese is a romantic thing. And now we have someone else from Oregon. 
Only this time, not a judge. It's David Gremmels from Rogue Creamery, which took the top spot in the World Cheese Awards with its Rogue River Blue. It's a cheese that is cave-aged for 9 to 11 months and hand-wrapped in organic grape leaves that have been soaked in pear liqueur. Sounds complicated. David can tell us more. You weren't actually at the awards this year. No, no. Um, Kathy Strange uh, was the face of it. And, you know, she's the global vice president of specialty for Whole Foods and Amazon. So she proudly hand carried the award from Bergamo, um, Italy, to um, Milan, then Milan to Heathrow, and Heathrow to Austin. And photographed it the entire way and then provided us with just a little bit of commentary. It had, the trophy had its own seat, first class from Heathrow to Austin. (laughs) It sat in executive lounges. I mean, it was photographs are just uh, incredible of this uh, trophy's journey. Probably didn't take advantage of any of the free food and drink, though. No, no. (laughs) There was a big reception with the uh, mayor of Central Point, Hank Williams. So when did you find out? Uh, I found out about the award. Um, it was last Friday, Friday morning. Um, I was actually out on my farm, and my phone just started to explode. And I thought, something's going on. And so I received three calls in a row from Kathy Strange, and then I could see some FaceTime coming in. And I thought, I, I better just step away. And... Um, from my uh, herd of, of the next generation at Road Creamery's Dairy and uh, started to look at the messages saying, give us a call. And, and I did, and I FaceTimed in, um, and that was on Jason Hines' phone. And he held up the phone, and he's like, I have them. <laughs> and they're like, uh, congratulations. And I'm like, what for? <laughs> <laughs> I was so so shocked. I I just um, I'm still taken back by the news. And holding the trophy, it it, it sunk in, and uh, it's just such a great honor, Jim. And uh, it really not only showcases Road Creamery, um, but it, it showcases the heritage of. American dairy and American artisan and farmstead cheese. So I'm really proud that Rogue River is the ambassador for the American artisan cheese movement. And it also exemplifies the innovation of American cheese. So this cheese I I created 15 years ago and it, it represented for me a new generation of cheesemakers in America. Um, I had acquired a historic creamery and felt like it had a strong foundation of cheeses with Oregon Blue, Organzola, and its Jefferson Cheddar and Rogold Cheddar brands, but felt like it really needed an expression of place. And that's why I created Rogue River Blue. Had you entered it into the competition before? Yes. So uh, this is an interesting story. And 
This is um, going back to 2003, a year after I created this blue cheese recipe. I entered it into the World Cheese Awards, and um, and that was in Olympia, UK. And I got this call from John, John Farron, and I was driving back from the farmer's market in Portland, Oregon. And uh, he said, David, you won't believe this, but you've won. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I said, let me pull over. I was on the freeway, Interstate 5, heading back from Portland to the Rogue Valley, a four-and-a-half-hour drive, somewhere in the mountains in between. And I was just so blown away. He shared that Rogue River Blue had won best of category, best blue cheese, best American cheese, and reserve champion overall. And uh, uh, it, it was just so astounding to me. I was so proud. And it's a cheese that is created by a lot of planning, a lot of passion, and a lot of work. And it's a cheese that not only represents the flavors of our valley with the milk from the autumn, but also from the Syrah grape leaves from Calhoun Vineyard and the pear spirits from the local distillery in Ashland. So all that flavor is infused. So it's a lot of planning and preparing for this cheese's release a year after we make it, starting on the autumnal equinox. For me, it just it just resonated. It was the right creation and it, it, it was distinctive. I wanted to create something that was new to the palate and provided an experience and expression of the Rogue Valley. And uh, I felt like, yes, we did it. I did it. <laughs> and I say we, because it really does take everyone at Rogue Creamery and creating from planning we make each year. So we actually handpick the biodynamic organic Syrah grape leaves at Cowhorn a year prior. And then we work with the distillery creating the pear spirits to soak the leaves in for nearly a year. And then we start making the cheese on the autumnal equinox uh, and finish before the winter solstice and only make the cheese while our cows are on pasture. So it the flavor of the milk expresses the seasonality of our region. When you see the ingredient list, and not just the cheese, but the leaves and the pear, how difficult was it to come up with that concept? And, and also, how much experimentation did you have to do to get to where you wanted to be? Yeah, um, Jim, that's a good question. I had admired a cheese made by a friend of mine out of Indianapolis, Judy um, shad and she makes the O'Bannon. It's a chev wrapped in chestnut leaves and those chestnut leaves soaked in bourbon. So I asked Judy if I could talk to her about that process and she said, sure, why don't you fly out and visit her and her husband Larry and just spend the afternoon. So um, I spent the afternoon with her and toured her farm or make facility and, and she talked about the process and and certainly chestnut leaves did not make sense for me from being from Oregon and I, I wanted an edible leaf as well so 
um, I thought about it, and because there's so many uh, vineyards surrounding my dairy and my farm and my home, I thought, well, I'm going to explore using grape leaves and went out with a wedge of of the blue, naturally rinded, at the Oregon State University Experimental um, Vineyard and tasted uh, about 10 varietals of wine leaves. And I really narrowed it to two, and that was Syrah and Chardonnay. And they were just so well balanced with the cheese. And then the next thought was preserving it and preserving it with a spirit that also um, resonated as a Rogue Valley spirit. And that was a pear brandy. And so I contacted Clear Creek up in Portland and spoke to the owner there, Steve, and and he wanted to talk further about the process, and he actually hung up on me. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason was he didn't want his fine brandy being used to only preserve (laughs) Syrah grape leaves. He thought it was crazy, and yeah, maybe I was. (laughs) So I thought, well, I'll show him. I just went to the Oregon State liquor stores and started buying the brandy from Ashland to Eugene. And two days later, he called and he said, are you the one buying my brandy? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I am. He said, well, don't do that. You're paying for the bottle. You're paying for the pear that I grow in that bottle. He said, you're serious. I said, I'm serious. He said, I'll put some brandy up in carboys for you. When can you come up to Portland and get it? So that relation continued for about a decade. And and then uh, Road Creamery transitioned to being organic and a social benefit company uh, simultaneously. And so I moved forward in working with a local organic distillery who now makes our pair spirits and then I moved from Carpenter Hill Vineyard um, just a very a stone so from my home to now Calhorn Vineyard who uh, grows organically and biodynamically for the Syrah grape leaves. And, and was it a, a lot of trial and error? You know Jim interestingly out of the gates it was a success and I've created a lot of cheeses over uh, my career, and uh, I created cheese um, 10 times, a new recipe 10 times before I release it. I just want to know that it's going to be consistently delicious, and and that takes some time, as you know, because a cheese is aged, in this case, a year before it's released, and so I knew right out of the gates, Rogue River was going to be a success. So um, this is a cheese that I didn't need to create 10 bats of prior to its release. I knew instantly. It really represents the flavors of the Rogue Valley, known for its pear orchards, its, its, its warm weather grapes, its Syrah grapes, 
and uh, the cheese encapsulates the flavors that surround our dairy. Our dairy is um, located in Grants Pass, a few miles north of Road Creamery, and it's bordered on one side by the wild and scenic Rogue River. And uh, so it's real idyllic for agriculture with that um, source of, of pristine water for irrigation and long growing seasons. And our, our best seasons for grass is, is late summer and, and, and through the fall. And so we have these real extended seasons until our winter hits. And with that, we have the rain and, and the severe freezes, but that's, that's about it. So um, our cows are on pasture about uh, nine to 10 months a year. So they're off of pasture um, two to three months a year. So they're, they're, they're grazers. And Grants Pass is such a great artisanal, vibrant community. Yeah, you know, it's it's really the front door for this incredible environment for outdoor activities from hiking and fly fishing and whitewater rafting. And it's just, uh, it's really amazing. The wilderness is right at its door. And then there are so many great restaurants and uh, new breweries and antique stores. So there's, there's a lot to offer. Grants Pass. Plus, it has a strong agricultural foundation with one of Oregon's longest and running, continuously running uh, farmers markets. And what's reaction been like in the area too, having won the top award? Jim, it's it's been um, really exciting. We have been so busy greeting guests at our small retail shop in Central Point, Oregon, as well as our retail shop in uh, Grants Pass at our dairy. It's a little farm stand. and uh, We sold out of Rogue River Blue on uh, Friday, the day it was the day the award was announced. And so we were busy cutting Rogue River Blue through the evening to get it to our stores. And know that I have plenty of inventory of River Blue. So we've been filling orders and shipping orders uh, to the UK, to France, to New York, uh, to Portland, and, um, and to our neighbors in Ashland, Oregon. It's really exciting. Everybody wants to taste the world-winning Rogue River Blue. And... Um, and so we've had so many visitors, and certainly I, I know that many of the uh, national, regional, and independent cheese shops around the United States and uh, throughout the world have also similarly been experiencing excitement around the release of Rogue River Blue. Rogue River Blue is made, as I shared, starting on the autumnal equinox, and we finished making it. Uh, before the winter solstice, and then we release it a year after we start making it. So this year's make is um, um, happening right now, 
and will be released September 22 of 2020. So um, we're enjoying Rogue River Blue that was made in 2018. It's a lot of work in forecasting the number of leaves that we need to handpick uh, prior to a release. So those leaves have already been picked. We picked them uh, by hand in June. Uh, when the leaves are young and tender, and then we gently wash them, and then they're now macerating and resting in the pear spirits, uh, and we'll draw those out of the pear spirits um, oh, in early spring and start wrapping seven to nine leaves around each wheel, and then hand tie those with raffia that we also soak in pear spirits, and let the wheels rest and meld with the leaves and uh, before releasing them um, just prior to the autumnal equinox so that independent cheese uh, shops and uh, national cheese shops can showcase the wheels in their cheese cases um, on the equinox. It's quite a celebration worldwide. Rogue Creamery is organic uh, vertically from its dairy through its make facility. And uh, it's also um, Oregon's first social and public benefit company and now ranked as B Corp's top 10% of B companies worldwide. B Corps are businesses using business as a force of good environmentally, socially, and economically. The Road Creamery is a very small creamery and company. It's a power in using its business as a force of good. And we do that one wheel at a time. Well, congratulations again on winning the award. Jim, thank you. I'm just, uh, I'm walking on clouds. I, <laughs> I, I, I just, it, it's the magnitude of this award hasn't sunk in. <laughs> it's so, it's so big, and uh, it's, it's. I, I'm so honored, and um, this is why um, this honor is shared with all American cheese producers that are. Um, working passionately and diligently each day to produce the fine cheeses they produce. If I, if I may, if there's one other thing I may say is in buying Rogue Creamery, I brought the team together and worked with them in creating a mission, a mission that really resonated with my philosophy in business but it also touched their lives, and so we created it together. And uh, and so this recognition aligns with what we do each day at Road Creamery. Our mission is simple. It, it starts with people. That's what business is about. People dedicated to sustainability, service, and the art and tradition of creating the world's finest handmade cheese. We talked a lot about 
that last statement, and um, we spent days talking about it. This was 20 years ago, and uh, we thought, you know, we can make cheese, we can make good cheese, but every day we'll strive to make the world's finest handmade cheese. So two decades later, it's proof if one lives by their mission and vision every day, this can happen. And now it's time for our weekly update on the global dairy markets with INTL FC Stone. And this week, it's with Charlie Highland. Okay, Jim. Um, so just a quick recap of the dairy markets this week. We've had a couple of interesting um, numbers out this week, mostly around uh, milk collections, all of which have uh, come out a little bit better than expected. Um, European milk production uh, in August was up about 1% overall for the month. But actually, when we look at the milk solids content, that was up actually about 2.2%. So the solids were very strong again in August, which has been a trend this year. So, so plenty of milk coming through in Europe, but also in other parts of the world, we've seen good numbers. New Zealand, for example, they've just published their September milk collections, which were up 0.7% on a solids basis year on year. And in the US, when you look at it on a milk solids basis for September, they were also up 1.3%, which was, again, better than expected. So overall, uh, globally, from the main exporters, the milk collections have been reasonably good. Now, prices have held up, um, I guess, reasonably well, even on the back of this news, because the demand picture still continues to look quite good uh, on the global markets. So any of the export numbers we've been seeing recently still point to good uh, demand growth from the major importers. China, in particular, has been a a very aggressive buyer on the world market and continues to be, especially when it comes to to food-grade products. Pricing this week has been uh, reasonably stable in Europe. Uh, Skim milk powder has been trading at roughly uh, the 24.50 level uh, in 2020. And in uh, butter, for the same period that has come down a little bit from the start of the week but it's still trading within calendar year 2020 at between 3750 and 3800 and that's the recap for the market this week thanks charlie we'll catch up with you again next week intl fc stone provides risk management and margin hedging programs and services as well as otc hedging tool and m&a advisory services to the global dairy industry And that's it. An extremely busy week, a busy and varied show for you. And already next week's is shaping up to be good and long as well, as we'll have, among others, interviews with Emsur, Fonterra, Tate and Lyle, Lyco Red and Stonyfield. And I might have time for a quick sleep in the next week as well. The news is also coming in thick and fast. Already we have an article ready on Sinlay acquiring Dairy Works, a couple of articles from SIG, the monthly roundup of products and a lot more. Okay, so maybe I won't have time to sleep after all. Oh, and next week is the beginning of November, so you have to endure all those strange days for the penultimate month of the year. And then in a couple of weeks, I'm off to another event, but I'll tell you about that one next week. We can only handle so much excitement in one show. And so until next time, have a great week. Happy Halloween if you celebrate it or are forced to by dragging your children around knocking on doors. And thanks for listening. 